I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Lest you think that I, as someone who serves others in an area such as animal communication, am above the fray of the normal animal-slash-human relationship wobbles, let me disabuse you of that idea immediately. Since last Thursday, I've been dealing with my sweet hunter having a case of what we think is cystitis of unknown origins that are so particularly tricky that seemed to come on quite quickly. In hindsight, of course, being 2020, I could look back and see where the day before his behavior started to change. Uh, Lots more litter outside of the box than in, and towards the end of the day, an episode of attempting to squat in a corner. Yikes, right? And with the vets to whom I took, Hunter would ask, is there any additional stress in the home, like a new puppy, I wish. <laughs> Don't tell that to Hunter or his sister Lil D. Or new construction, also another I wish. There really hadn't been anything of significance that I could see through my guardian eyes or that would lead me to believe that Hunter was experiencing more stress. And again, in fabulous hindsight, there were some changes with the feeding schedule so that Lil D would be encouraged to refrain from eating both her and Hunter's food overnight that may have contributed to him shifting away from his usual perfect balance. So with my animal communicator eyes, I would have said to me as my client that although slight changes to me from Hunter's perspective, that may have been pretty big. And as well, given his threshold for stimulation, which being more wild-oriented than his sibling is naturally lower, could also have contributed to communicate to his body that all is not well, and then, of course, the body's immune system sprang to his defense. Of course, let us also not forget the inimitable work of Louise Hay and the way the body speaks to us all the time, if we would but listen. Cystitis, or issues with the bladder, as she would say, can be interpreted to be meaning quite literally pissed off. And I'll put a link to Louise Hayes' fabulous work in the podcast notes. And of course, it reminded me of why I started out doing this work in 2008 and why I chose the Animal's Eye View as my practice's trade name that's on all of my business licenses and is registered with the Colorado Secretary of State's office. Google, if you're listening, it's all true. (laughs) It's because I want to share with the rest of my species how the animal species on the planet, to include 
plants and crystals, of course, if they'll have me, view our shared planet. It is through their eyes and hearts that we may view our shared differences, and that even though we're still stuck on the differences within our own species, they have managed quite beautifully to leap over their immense diversity, far more immense than our own to be sure, and thrive based on a shared partnership of unified diversity. And even as I say those last two words, unified diversity, it's quite breathtaking, isn't it? That they've chosen with deliberation and intention to make the absolute very most of their planetary experience and don't try to escape it because they know that it's the definitive way to incorporate seeming duality and diversity into unity. Honestly, uh, every single day that I do this work, I always return to their complex simplicity or their simple complexity Because try though we might to imitate it, define it, and explain it, there's really only way to get there with them, and that's by being it every single moment of every single day, just like they are. And because I'm so passionate about being their advocate and spokesperson, I'm also keen to keep peeling back for our discernment all of the ways we may be contributing to our misalignment with their way of being, because it matters. Why does it matter? It matters because for whatever reason we have decided through our might and our will and our all-important sarcastic tone here, mind and consciousness, we're the ones in charge of them. And I'm not here to deliberate at this point anyway, any biblical or theoretical or other human-centric postulating about why that's how it has to be on this planet. I'm not convinced that it needs to be this way, and I see a world, their world, our shared world, in which only balance on a planet that has a life cycle that includes both death and birth is embraced and celebrated which, again, in some human-centric dogmas, is heresy, quite literally. There is either only one or the other, and yes, in these dogmas, one eventually may lead to the other, and yet they both cannot coexist at the same time. That's what we think. And yet, animals do it all at once all the time. Are, Are we that arrogant to perceive that we're above that? I think all of this is to be determined, and quite honestly, we're mucking it up on this planet because of our out-of-control population numbers, as well as our continual taker mentality, and much less so of an equal balance of giver mentality. And if it is a giver mentality, it's only on our terms and what suits us best first and often foremost. We perceive that what we give back to them even though it's cloaked in the shadow of conservation, that we say, well, it's worth it because it saves us and benefits them, which we think is a hard truth, although I think it's necessary to state the clear ambiguity of such a statement. It's also 
a hard truth for us that we tend not to see them as separate souls with separate soul paths and purposes for being here on earth with us. I've talked at length before about anthropomorphism and the like and kinshin schema and how we tend to objectify animals and use them for our own ends. And in this podcast, I'm going to focus a little bit on using their photographic images and likenesses for all of our endeavors, some for profit and and some ostensibly not for profit. And yet, I, I think it's this last one that kind of begs the question. Even if it's for an air quotes good purpose, say, for instance, in a Facebook group of people who happen to like a certain breed of cat or dog or a group of people who want to promote the positive characteristics of a breed that they perceive has a bad reputation. And this particular example was not even Pitbull, although you may have thought that I was going to say that. In the case that I saw, it was actually about Chihuahuas. What about someone who is grieving the death of a well-known orca who transitioned after a life in captivity and wanted to honor them by using their photographic like as their Facebook cover page, in spite of not knowing that orca personally. Certainly, we've all seen dogs, cats, and many other species used as cover models, literally, for all kinds of commercial products. And of course, there would be a group of animals whose guardians hire them out for the purposes of being exactly that, paid models for the endorsements of these products. Now, certainly in humans, We are really particular about our likenesses being used with our permission and only with products that we want to endorse so that we don't see ourselves, you know, on the billboard or the side of a bus and exclaim, hey, that's a photo of me on there. What the heck? Unless you think I'm going too far with this train of thought, I assure you that animals actually do have quite specific tastes about the kind and brand of food, for instance, that they ingest, and they can be as choosy as we are. And I know many guardians who would absolutely verify that. For these model animals, I would say if they're treated well and if they enjoy the process, this is so important, which can be an interesting question to ask them, Perhaps it's meant to be part of their journey. The, the key, again, would definitely be, do they like what they're doing? That's so important to them. I think the same thing applies to memes that inundate so much of social media these days, particularly the ones that make fun of an animal's physical, emotional, or mental attributes, and which are cloaked in our shadow, of course. Because we have difficulty exercising it properly and or don't even like to think that it coexists with the light side of us. So we use animals who we perceive in many ways to be inferior as our metaphorical punching bags at a time. And I know there might be some of you out there saying, Lizanne, I would never think that. It is built into and baked into literally our structure's of what we perceive as consciousness and awareness, it is that pervasive. We we would say it's not ever okay to kick any dog or cat, no matter how you're feeling, and it's not ever okay in my book or theirs to make fun of any other being simply because of who and how they are. Which brings me to perhaps the rather unique conjunction of the orca and the chihuahua. 
A Facebook group of which I am a member is all about whales. And 80, 75, I'm going to go back, 75 to 80% of the posts are great. Very supportive, um, extolling the attributes, um, um, all those sorts of things. And so another member asked the question if it was appropriate if they used the likeness of an orca who transitioned in captivity as their Facebook cover photo. This particular captive orca was the first to transition since this individual started to love them. So could they use the photo as a question as a nature lover in a way to promote their feelings, meaning the feelings of the human and their feelings of the love for them to a certain extent. And from my perspective, never mind what the orca would have wanted. So I recommend it that they asked the orca, which some thought was good to do. And the poster replied with what I think she would want which missed the point entirely. It's not about what we think someone else should want. We would never do that for another human. It's about how we can best honor any other being's experiences on this planet in a way that they think honors them. Our feelings actually aren't meant to enter into the picture. The best partnerships always, always, always make it about the other. The Chihuahua came in because another member under the same thread of the same post said that it was fine with fine with them to post because their Facebook group about res- rescued Chihuahuas had a photo of a Chihuahua complete with a snarl and a sombrero that went along with, in their perception, a play on words about their love of adopting Chihuahuas. Think angry Chihuahuas. I've also talked before about the genetics of dog breeds in particular, and in my opinion, that cover photo did nothing to promote the adoption of chihuahuas, given the snarl and the sombrero. Uh, You might even say that it bordered on racism slash speciesism. What it did was to present a caricature of a breed meant to be humorous to humans, I'll go out on a limb and say that the Chihuahua in the photo likely had good reason to react the way that they did. I'd say the same for a well-known sanctuary whose founder I had on my radio show more than several years ago, who uses the butt, the actual hind end of bat, to promote the sanctuary. And apparently humans think they're cute, Kenshin schema again, And because they've gotten that feedback, they also perceive it raises awareness for their cause of rescuing bats and, of course, likely donations to their sanctuary. There's no doubt they do fine work for bats on the planet. Where it crosses a line for me and likely for the bats used in their promotion is their reply to someone who asked whether this was appropriation of the species, is that the bat in question, the sanctuary said, didn't much like being handled that way but they were still going to continue to do this. And to that, I can only reply, huh, will the world end because these things happen all the time in microaggressive and macroaggressive ways? I don't know. Does this harm any animals such as the dead orca or the snarling chihuahua or the bat? Perhaps it does if they're still living. Does this make an overall difference to the way energy flows between species on this planet? Absolutely. 
As this is a world of energy with everything and everyone affecting everything and everyone else, it's impossible to measure the ripple effects that quantum mechanics would say exist with just these three very small examples. Our thoughts and emotions are energy, the brain and the heart having separate electrical systems. The bioelectric field that surrounds your body literally affects people at least within two to three feet of you, research indicates, and think of the numbers of our species on the planet, seven billion and counting. As this is an experience that is chock full of choices every single moment of every single day one is here, how does intention behind these choices affect the manifestation of thought and emotion in word and action? How do these particular choices affect soul that is literally welded to the body? If your expression of shadow is through appropriation of likeness of other species of whom, you are charged with being steward and guardian based only in compassion and joy. How might these microaggressions add up over time and, more importantly, affect your own experience? You might say, for instance, that orca in captivity is part of a successful conservation program. You might say that the chihuahua is part of a successful adoption program, and you might say the same for the rehabilitation of a bat. While that they may never know again the freedom of free flight, at least they're alive. And from that, you may see the slipperiness of the slope we have created for ourselves. Our life paths are inextricably linked with our soul paths. And for animals on the planet, there is no separation between the two. They live them every single day, every single moment. Would that ours would become the same, because that's truly the thing. To be at one with all other species and energy, that will make the difference. At least, that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. Leave a review if you're so inspired, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lazanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I invite you to sign up for my quarterly newsletter on my website, where I also post notices for upcoming events, such as new classes and online psychic fairs. This has been the Animal's Eye View Podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.